while we learn. If you'd like to join the show, you can call us this week at 844-999-9249. Someone new behind the glass for me this week. We have Angel behind the glass picking up the phone. And if you can convince him that you should talk to me, I'm sure he'll let you through. So again, that's 844-9... I got a chuckle. Very good. 844-999-9249. Of course, you can email us at letstalktorah at gmail.com or join our Facebook page on Let's Talk Torah. Before we get uh, rolling today, I have a, another guest, another exciting guest. I hope you'll appreciate him like I do, Mutti Niederlander. Mutti, how are you today? Good, Baruch Hashem. How are you? Great. It's good to see you. Great to see you. And uh, I made some mistakes. I knew Mutti was sort of in the Israeli army. He wasn't really in the army. He was at the early stages. What, what, what did you tell me those stages are called? It was called a machina, that you train for the army. But not necessarily. The next step is the army. Uh, but you didn't. You didn't actually make it where they let you hold a gun or anything. I've held a gun before, but not um, in that direct program. Not in that in program. That. But now you're back here. Yep. And you told me that um, there was some uh, um, issues if you would become a, a citizen, and uh, to take the plunge of a citizen, gotta make uh, a lot of sacrifices financially. Family, everything. So cool. So it's on the back burner. Yeah. Something one day. that you, one, one day. day. Yeah. One day. But now you're back in the great state of Michigan awesome. with fantastic weather. Finally. Finally. Um, I, I was speaking with my wife. We don't seem to have spring. No. Anymore. No, it's just late winter, and then it jumps into summer. That's right. We got late yeah. winter, and we jump into the summer, which is great. It's it's warm. We just uh, we're gonna talk later today about Lagba Omer, which was sort of rained out. Yeah. But this is the weather. We'll talk about Lagba Omer. When I grew up, it was a day of baseball. Mm. We'll talk about that later. That's what we did as kids. Um, we'll talk about it. Um, but uh, we have a whole list of things we're gonna get through. Besides Lagba Omer, we're gonna talk about Kiddush Hashem, sanctifying God's name. What that means. Uh, we're going to talk about the Omer sacrifice because we have this holiday called Lag Omer, which really means the 33rd day of the counting of the Omer. The Omer was a barley sacrifice. It was the first of the new crop. We're going to talk about that. Um, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but you were in Israel for how long? About a year and a half. About a year and a half. So my son is there, Yudazev. Mm. Remember Yudazev? Yeah, of course. Not like Menachem, but uh, Mati is an old family friend, like... My older son, who's married, used to, I don't know what he did with you guys. Swimming, ball, he he took care of you guys. He was fantastic. He is fantastic. But um, this son is in Israel, and he wanted to go to Mayron last week. I went there. You went, I was going to ask. Hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. And we're going to talk why hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people go up a single lane road to get to this mountain where a, a rabbi is buried, and uh, you just look online, the clips, they are partying and yeah. dancing, yeah. and uh, it was an experience. It was, yes, of course, it was an experience, was, yeah. Yeah, you see, just from the look in your eyes, mm. that was some experience. We're going to talk about why people want this experience. What's the big deal today? We're going to get into that. Um, we're going to, of course, have our special segment we started last week called You Had a Bad Day. We're going to talk about that. Not you, of course, no. but some other people in our trending news. And, of course, our letter and word of the week. Before we get rolling, I wanted to start with some trending news off the top. A very interesting 
um, halachic law, Jewish law question. Mm-hmm. So you may be familiar that there's a very large mortgage company based in downtown Detroit. You know who they are? What is it? No, it's Rock Financial. Rock Financial. Rock Financial, and they have Rocket. Uh, I might be saying it wrong. Oh, it's Quicken Loan. I'm sorry. It was Rock Financial 100 years ago. <laughs> it's Quicken Loan. It's yeah. Rocket Mortgage. Everybody's heard of them. They advertise mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, this you probably did not hear, though. There was actually a letter that came out uh, from a, a large Orthodox organization saying that that Orthodox people have a problem taking a loan from their company. You heard about this? Not heard about it. Okay, it's very interesting. It's not this week's Torah portion, but you've heard of of interest, of ribis, of charging interest, right? What do you know about that? Ribis? Yeah, sure. Not that much, actually. I totally forgot about it, but... Back to third grade. Yeah, back to third grade. Back to third grade. (laughs) Um, Anyways, interest means that one Jew does not charge another Jew interest. Now, interesting... The Christians did the same thing, that a Christian can't charge a Christian interest. And therefore, in the Middle Ages, what happened was the Jews became the middlemen mm-hmm. because the, the kings and the dukes, and the, uh, they had the wealth, but they weren't allowed to lend the money on interest. So you lend the money to the Jew with interest, and he turns around and lends it back to the Christian with interest. And that is how society ran in the Middle Ages. But of course, the middleman, the Jew, always got blamed. But really, it was a sort of a setup in the system. But in any case, the Torah says that one Jew does not charge another Jew interest. Really what it means is that I have to help you. You need help. If I charge you interest, it's like a credit card. It just builds and builds and you can't get out of it. So how do I lend you money? So what we're allowed to do is we can make a business deal. I have the money. You have the time to work. I will invest in your labor, whatever company, ABC company you're going to run, and we're going to split the profits. At the same time, if the company collapses, I lose my money. That's the difference between interest and business. In business, and when I give you money, I could lose it. I could also make money, depending you know, how successful you are. While in interest, I can't lose. That's like a good way of recognizing when is it interest, when is it business. So a bank, obviously, when I want to borrow money for my mortgage, for my house, I am paying interest to the bank. It is not a business deal. So if Quicken Loans and Rocket Mortgage are owned more than 50% by Jews, actually, they did research. Mm. Um, I don't know all the people who are involved, but at least according to their research. So you can't borrow from them. However, there is what we'll call a legal loophole. That legal loophole happens to be called, in Aramaic, a heter iska, meaning permission of business. In other words, what we can do is, again, there's a lot of legal documents, but no different than other legal documents you fill out, you know, your whole stack when you get a mortgage. And instead of it being an interest loan, what you can do is the, the bank will give me money as a business. I can do whatever I want with the money that the bank has invested in me as my business. Now, technically, if I lose my money, I wouldn't have to pay. But what we do in the document is that if I'm not willing to swear to how much money um, I I made or lost, then I automatically agree to pay X amount of interest just to keep everybody safe. 
Because otherwise, how are you supposed to check my books to see if I made money? I didn't make money. Maybe it was a cash business. Who knows exactly what happened? So, um, so that's what we'll call a legal loophole. And, um, and any time you have Jews doing business, they do this thing called a hetriska. It seems that there were, there were Orthodox people who asked Quicken Loans, um, do we need to do this hetriska business? And they were told, no, no, it's not necessary. So therefore, I believe it's our goodness Yisrael did their own research and said, you do have to do something. And they put out this letter. And last week already, um, Quicken Loans themselves has already put out paperwork that we're going to make sure we make everybody happy. We're going to take care of this, uh, this uh, legal um, uh, paperwork that needs to be done, and everyone will be happy. So it's an interesting... That's quick. Yeah, well, yeah. it's a big business. Yeah, I know. So you have a choice. You can get a lot of people that don't want to take mortgages from you, or for a simple piece of paper, just one more paper, you stick into the file. It's not a big deal. I myself, actually, when I took a loan, it wasn't from Quicken Loans, but I don't know, it was 30 years ago, whatever it was, 25 years ago. I also asked if I needed, because the people who owned the mortgage company, well, that, I mean, the, I guess the brokers were Jewish, but the bank itself was a regular bank. So they said, I didn't, I, I hope they were right. Who, who knows 25 years later. But okay, that's uh, to get into our trending news. But let's, uh, let's get into what we want to talk about. So this week's Torah portion talks about that we are required to sanctify God's name. So if I asked you, what does that mean to you? What do you mean to sanctify God's name? How do, how do I do that? Um, for me, probably Kiddush Hashem. Well, whatever. let's give an example. How would you do that? Uh, when someone approaches me who maybe isn't familiar with uh, the laws, I try to give my best explanation towards it. And so that they, you know, if they meet other people, they'll say, oh, I know this from a person. Cool. Interesting. Very interesting. Now, in, in the Torah itself, yeah. when people talk about this concept of sanctifying God's name, it almost always means dying, which is what we were trying to get away from last week. Mm. If you think about it, what we call the big three, which would be um, if somebody says, kill this person or I'll kill you, or bow down to this idol or I'll kill you, or do adultery or I'll kill you, or any lady that you can't marry. That's what we call the big three. So those, the person has to say, kill me. God doesn't want me to do it. You have to kill me, and by killing me, I am sanctifying God's name. Right, That's the that. most simple across the board. There happens to be a, a second level that if, uh, in other words, let's say somebody wants me to eat not kosher, and he says, and we're in a McDonald's restaurant, and he says, eat this McDonald's hamburger or I'll kill you. So I can say, pass the mustard, pass the ketchup, I'm eating. Mm -hmm. But if it would be in a public area where a lot of people recognize that I, as a Jew, am eating what I'm not allowed, again, I wouldn't be allowed to, to go ahead and eat that sandwich because I'm not sanctifying God's name. The Holocaust becomes the perfect example of people who were killed because they were Jewish. If I kill you, not me, but if someone were to threaten to kill someone or kill them because they're Jewish, that is also in the category of sanctifying God's name. However, you must remember in third grade, whenever we'd go on a trip, mm. so the speech is always the same. Okay, everyone remember, you have to make a Kiddush Hashem, or to 
in the English to sanctify God's name. What did we mean as teachers? What did we want you to do? Be a mensch, pretty much. Be a mensch. I mean, I tell third grader to be a mensch a little hard, but what did we want you to do? Be nice, be proper, be respectful to, to you're not going into, you're going to someone else's place. It's not your own domain or whatever. Hey, you're not gonna run around, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. a maniac. Yeah. You're gonna be well behaved. And what do I accomplish when you're well behaved? For the people or for you? Well, for you, you're gonna sanctify God's name, but how do I do that with people? As people are gonna see me and what are they going to say? Look at that group. Look at that well nice uh, Very group. good. Look how well behaved they yeah. are. Um it actually says in honoring parents, by the way, as an interesting, um, also similar concept, that when a child is well-behaved, so people will say, wow, look how well-behaved that child is. His father did such a good job on him. It must be from that Torah he's studying. So you sanctify God's name. You don't even know you sanctify God's you're name. It in there. Yeah, yeah, but, but so you're going to get a reward because how people talk about you. Now, it doesn't count that if somebody doesn't like me, so whatever I do, he's not going to be happy with, or if somebody doesn't like that I keep God's laws, I keep the Torah, somebody doesn't like that, that's not my problem. In other words, I don't have to make the world happy and satisfied that I should act the way they would like me to act. Right? You're following? Mm. I have to act the way God wants me to act. Mm. So as long as I'm acting the way God wants me to act, I am sanctifying God's name. You want to kill me for it. You want to be proud that I'm doing it. You want to be accepting that I do it. That's all your choice. But my job is to do exactly what God wants from me. And through that, I'll sanctify God's name. Of course, there are times if, it's, uh, if my life is being threatened, so that we talked about before, there's sometimes I give up my life. Sometimes I don't have to give up my life. After I talk about the beautiful weather, I hear rain. It must be pouring outside. Right. Now, what's the chance that I left my windows open? A hundred percent. Probably. Did you leave your windows open? Did not. You are the smart one, and Angel is laughing, and Kelsey <laughs> has, uh, is cringing in the back. <laughs> but, I mean, I could be wrong. It could be there's other sounds that I'm hearing through the ceiling, not other sounds. No, clearly I'm hearing rain. So as, a, as just a personal, you know, as a, as a, as a service, um, if you're in my area listening, you should go outside and close your windows right now. And I was going to say early in the show, such beautiful weather, you know, you're probably just listening or maybe you have to listen later. But now that it's raining, so for sure you're inside listening. Like, what else could you be doing? Yeah. I can't imagine anything else could keep people busy at all. Now, here's one that I thought you would relate to very well. Just continuing in this concept of, again, of Kiddush Hashem, of sanctifying God's name. And that is, and that's why I thought you'd be a good fit for it, it's an Israeli soldier. <laughs> As people say to me all the time, do I have to be religious to create a Kiddush Hashem? Do I have to be an Orthodox Jew, and that's the only way I can sanctify God's name, or anybody could sanctify God's name? Yep. So what? Okay, I led you on. So what do you think? You can. You don't have to be from Orthodox Jew to to sanctify God's name at all. Okay. Um, any any day uh, activities in life, I think you can do holding the door open for someone. They think you're very, you know. Okay, so uh, so I want to I want to focus on this one. In other words, 
that Israeli soldier yeah. who may be secular, mm-hmm. but he is protecting Jews. He's protecting the country because he's Jewish, what yeah. you were at least in training for. Yeah. That is sanctifying God's name. If something happens to him, God they're forbid. Giving life. They're giving their right. life for the Jewish people. They're giving their life for the Jewish homeland, for the Jewish people. That qualifies as a Kiddush Hashem. Very high one, yeah. Which, by the way, um, and people talk about by the Holocaust all, all the time. People that gave up their life, that sanctified their life because they were Jewish. So when they go upstairs... The door opens. I know they talk about the pearly gates. The gates open wide, wide, straight, straight in. Because you have done the ultimate what a person could do. And as I see, believe it or not, we have come to the end of my first segment. Mm -hmm. And the next one, we're going to talk all about our Lagba Omer and a couple other things and what kids do. So um, you make sure that you hold on. Get that phone number, 844-999-9249. And you're listening to Let's Talk Torah with Rabbi Tzvi on New Radio Media, and we will be right back, so don't... Guys, wait up. Hold on, Daddy said hold on. You know, I was thinking, Bill, I'm ready for our show, and and you're ready for the Mm -hmm. show, but how do we let everyone know that we're ready for the show? Uh, Slow motion rap video? Want to stay informed, entertained, and enlightened? Get connected and stay connected today to New Radio Media. The New Radio Media app is now available for download in the Apple and Google Play Store. Just search for NRM Streams for unlimited access to archived, live, new, exciting, and unique content. Welcome to Geektainment Weekly. All for free. Do it now. Stay connected. And action. And millions of ducks. Two guys go to newradiomedia.com. The Arts and Entertainment Channel on New Radio Media. Dot. Advertising your business these days can be challenging. Traditional radio and TV ads are expensive and, frankly, a bit of a crapshoot. Not to mention, the audience for over-the-air material is shrinking as more and more of us demand to see and hear what we want, when we want. Advertising on new radio media is a solution. With our live streaming programs that are also available on demand, your message is always ready when your customers are ready to watch and listen, all for a fraction of what you'd likely have been paying for other ads. NewRadioMedia.com. Call Buzz Van Houten at 248-939-9999 for more information. Okay, and we're back. As we just squeezed in that information in our last segment, we got, I'm looking at my paper, so much stuff, Mati, to talk about. Mm-hmm. So much stuff. But again, if you'd like to try to get in, 844-999-9249. And a special thanks to Tony, who went to close my windows. 
certainly greatly appreciated um, because it is pouring rain outside. But okay. So I wanted to talk about this Lag Omer holiday. Hmm. We'll call it a holiday. It's not on the calendar. Um, it really comes after the destruction of the Second Temple already. So, lag, what does lag stand for? You know what it stands for? No. It's actually the number. The lag, the gimel is 33. So, 33, and as we've been counting from the second day of Passover, we're going to count 49 days, and then the 50th day is the Shavuot, the Pentecost holiday. So, so during this time period, um, people don't make weddings, and people don't listen to live music, and... And people don't take haircuts, like yourself. You're probably waiting to take a yeah. haircut, right? Okay, threw that in for your father. <laughs> um, so the reason that this is like a mourning period, we've talked in previous shows, is Rabbi Akiva, the great Rabbi Akiva, had thousands of students die. Do you remember how many? It's in the 400? No. Oh, it's a lot. It's, a lot. it's either 24,000 or 12,000. Oh, it's a humongous amount. I forgot. And from there, Rabbi Akiva starts over with five students. Wow. One of those five students is the, we're going to talk about momentarily, his name was Reb Shimon Bar Yechai. That name you're familiar, because yep. that's the grave you went to visit when you went up to Meiron. Yes. So on the 33rd day of the Omer, the students stopped dying. So that in itself became a holiday. And it's also the yard site, or the anniversary of the death of the great Reb Shimon Bar Yechai. Lots of stories about all these people. We have to get a feeling for who these people were. But it's, it's his, the anniversary of his death is being celebrated, uh, which sounds a little strange, right? I don't know if people are used to the concept of, we're talking hundreds of thousands. You've got to look at those YouTube clips. Okay. Hundreds of thousands of people dancing. Dancing, dancing on this mountain. You go in Israel, bonfires everywhere. 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 And even in my days, when I was there, and wood is very expensive. In Israel, it's not like you, it's not like here you go to Home Depot and just buy tons of wood. My days, wood was expensive. They find crates and uh, who knows what, and they make these humongous piles of wood and they make these big fires. Which is again, we have to figure out exactly what's happening on the day. So we're gonna take it slow. Who was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai? So he again was one of the five students of Rabbi Akiva that the whole oral law gets passed down through him and four others. Perhaps five others, that's debatable in the Talmud. But for the most part, five students of Rabbi Akiva transmit the entire oral law to future generations, or what we call the Mishnah. So one time, Rabbi Shimbar Yechai and the Rabbi Judah the Prince, and uh, I think Rabbi Yossi was the third one, they were having a discussion. And this is where you learn that when you think nobody's paying attention, everybody's, everybody's paying attention. Paying. There's always somebody there listening who's ready to tattletale to the government, to someone. There's always somebody listening. So they were discussing um, all the roads and the, um, and the marketplaces that the Romans had been building. This is after the destruction of the Second Temple. Was it good or no good? I mean, Judah said it's very good. We can walk easier. There's marketplaces for us to buy our food. All the things they do, we do benefit from. Therefore, it's good. That's one way of looking at it. The, uh, again, I think it was Abyosi. He was quiet. And Rabbi Shimon Vayichai says, terrible idea. 
Not that it's bad to have a marketplace, not that it's bad to have roads, but don't think they did it for us. They did it, they can raise taxes, they can charge taxes. They didn't do it to do us any favors. That was his statement. Okay, word got back to the government. Like, I guess if you, in America, you can say almost whatever you want, almost. (laughs) Um, Every day, find out you can say more and more. But I guess when the Romans conquer your country, you can't say whatever you want. And the decree went out to Rabbi Judah, who praised us. He has to always be the first speaker. Whenever there's a conversation, by law, he talks first. Um, The other one they sent to exile, Shimba Yechoi, who did not like what the government was doing, they actually um, um, put a death sentence on his head. So he and his son run away to a a cave. And miraculously, a carob tree grows. Did you ever have? It was a carob tree, a buxer tree. Uh, You ever have carob? No. You never broke your teeth on the rock hard carob? It's not from the most, again, if it's fresh, it's probably sweet. It's not from the most um, sought after delicacies, let's put it that way. There was a pool of water there, but they knew they were going to be there for the long haul. So they actually would get undressed every day, bury themselves in the sand so their clothes wouldn't wear out. They're not leaving this cave. They're in the cave for 12 years. 12, 13? 12. Well, we'll see. There's a 13th year. Very yeah, good. Very good, year, Matthew. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So, um, so they're in the cave for 12 years, and they get a message. The decree has been rescinded. I guess the, the Caesar died. So they go out of the cave. Now, these are two great rabbis. Who, who have been have, in hiding for... Who have been in hiding. And all years. they've been doing Learning is Torah. Torah. Yeah. They are like angels. Mm-hmm. Right, similar to my new friend, my uh, my phone uh, screener's name. They were angels. They were so holy. They almost didn't belong on this world. And since they were studying for the last twelve years and doing nothing else, so they walk out of the cave and they see regular people working. Mm-hmm. Oh, they could understand. How could you be working and not studying Torah? They, uh, whatever this means, they would look at these people and I guess they would. Explode or Explode or crumble. Or yeah. You can use any example you want. They just uh, vaporized. So God sends them a message. I didn't take you out of the cave to destroy my world. Get back in the cave. You need a year to come down Detox, from your yeah. holiness to, to be in this world. Come out a year later. And again, Rabshem Bar-Yuchoy is now ready to look at the world as a, as a world. His son is not ready yet. Um... They see somebody running with two um, um, myrtle branches, and they say, why two myrtle branches? So they're both in honor of the Sabbath. So Ibshem Bayechai tells his son, whose name happens to Rabbi Eliezer, he says, um, the Torah of the world will survive through me and you. But you see, these people are going to live the, the way they're supposed to live. They're all good people. Let them live. There's numerous, numerous statements from Ibshem Bayechai uh, about how um, about how much he loved the world, Jewish people, and how he took care of people, all kinds of statements about him. So Reb Shem is famous that he brought down to the world the Kabbalah. Not the Kabbalah they study in Kabbalah centers out in L.A. or wherever mm-hmm. they do these things, but the real McCoy, the Zohar, the Shining, he brought that down to this world. He was the one that, that, that brought, it, brought it out, and he disseminated it. He gave it over to people. And that's what we're celebrating. Somebody told me it was really on the day of his death. It would have been Lagba Omer. So that day that he passed away, he gave over 
this, what we call Zohar, what we call Kabbalah. A couple weeks ago with my friend um, Abraham, we had a long talk exactly what Zohar is. It's more esoteric, it's a different plane, it's a different way of thinking and a relationship to God. But he brought it down, and it's symbolic of fire, because mm-hmm. fire, by the way, is the only element that goes up. That's how he passed away also, right? There was a fire and like a cloud or something. So I don't know. I mean, they certainly, um, Elijah the prophet passed mm-hmm. away that way. I don't know with him. But there were mm-hmm. fires. There were fires all over the place with yeah. these people. Their holiness, their Torah. So he brought that down. So we're celebrating this new facet of Torah that he gave over to us. Mm-hmm. However, what's interesting is this is a day that uh, children in school have like a day off. In other words, in a regular day school, we take children to play ball, to go bike riding, which is like funny. If he stood for Torah, why are we going to play ball? Mm. Right? Like, did we miss something? Play ball yesterday. Mm. But on the day of his death, where he represented all that new Torah, we should do extra study. There's a fascinating question. And I guess on the side, by the way, um, it was very common for people to shoot bow and arrows. Specifically, on bow Lagba. and arrows on Lagba Omer. Yes. Towards where? Just to play, go into the field and mm. give a fling and mm. whatever. Um, my kids actually like shooting bow and arrows. Mm. I have some bow and arrows. Any like good? stuff. No, they're kids. <laughs> I'm not even good. I mean, I can pretend, you know... But I go to recess with other teachers. So, you know, the basketball hoops in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll shoot once in a while. If I get the ball in, mm-hmm. I stop. Yeah. Like, you why continue? One. <laughs> yeah. I got it in. So, so the other day I went practicing my bow and arrows. So I got like three right in the center. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really did at okay. the end. Okay. I said, I'm done. Why, why would I want to keep Never going? I need to do it again. It's not yeah. going to happen today. Again. <laughs> That's not happening. So, again, what's this idea of bow and arrows? So the answer is that there's numerous answers to this to keep in mind. First of all, the bow represents the rainbow. The rainbow is actually a bow also, but it's going away from earth. Mm. So it's symbolic that Shemba Yechai was a man of peace. He wasn't a man of fighting. But I saw a very fascinating answer. One of the reasons we, we do all this different kind of stuff on Lagba Omer is uh, to show he was so great, he could live with just Torah. He didn't even have to pray all he had to do was study Torah. That's it. We're not on his level. We can't serve God by only doing Torah. So therefore, we take the children out and we play ball. When I grew up, my teachers played ball with us. The only time all year they pitched the baseball. I pitched baseball every day. Yeah, you Your be, teachers, yeah, yeah. every day. But when I was a kid growing up, the only baseball was that one day. It was in New York in Bear Mountain Park. Um, that's, that's what we did. So as I see my time is running out and I had some interesting uh, trending news about the Samaritans we'll try to get into. We have a You Had a Bad Day segment coming up. So we're going to be back as soon as we could. So you're listening to Let's Talk Torah with Rabbi Tzvi on New Radio Media. And we'll be right back. low-budget movie version. 60s TV version. 
Early 2000s high school pseudo-adaption that eventually grows into the geek we all know and love version, yeah? I'm getting paid a lot of money to be here, so listen up. Watch the Geektainment channel on NewRadioMedia.com. It's geek approved. It's all about you, and that's the way we like it. Where you're going. What you do to stay fit. What you're eating. What you're thinking. And how you're feeling. Join the conversation at NewRadioMedia.com's Lifestyles channel. Stream the life you want to live. Part City, we're known for offering customer service you won't get in any chain store or online. But don't take it from me, just listen to what our customers have to say. The employees at Murray's are knowledgeable, courteous. They make you feel like you're at home. Pick up a can of Seafoam Fuel System Treatment for only $6.99 or a five-quart container of Mobile One Motor Oil for just $28.95. Murray's Part City and Pontiac Trail at Maple Road in Walled Lake. We've got the parts you need when you need them. Welcome back, and we're trying to throw in as much information as time allows. We've talked like Baomer, we've talked of Shimba Yechoi, we've talked fires, we've talked sanctifying God's name. I wanted to throw in a little interesting trending news. There's a group of people called the Samaritans. There's about 810 of them. According to the article, Mutti, you ever heard of these people? Just now. Just now. Okay. So um, what happens is that before the destruction of the, sec- of the first temple, there was a king by the name of Sancheriv. He, when he would conquer the world, so he wouldn't have to worry about uprisings, he moved nations from one country to another country. If it's not your homeland, you don't even feel like fighting over it. Yeah. So the 10 tribes, there are 12 tribes in Israel, he took the 10 tribes out and he moved them who knows where. And you look around sometimes as people still searching for them in the mountains in Mongolia or, or, I, or, or in um, India, I think, or, or some people want to say the Ethiopians may have been from the lost 10 tribes. It's something in, in Jewish lore where these people are. No one really knows, but they search. The people that replaced the ten tribes were called the Kutim, or I believe they were called the Samaritans. Um, They were idol worshippers, and immediately when they moved in, lions showed up and started gobbling these people up. So they got nervous. They went back to the Sancheriv and said, Hello, um, what's What's going on with us? Like, what what kind of crazy country did you bring us to? So Sancheriv called in the rabbis and said, Come on, what's the deal with the lions? So they said God doesn't like idol worship in his country. So he told them no more idol worship, and they converted to Judaism. It was a debate for about 400 years. Was it a good conversion? 
And I was, was it just so we don't get eaten by lions? Or yeah, they wanted to be Jewish. And a lot of the Torah they kept very well. What was interesting was they only cared about the written Torah. Not the not, not verbal. Not the oral. oral right. Sorry. Yeah. Very good. So Rib Shimbayhari, who we're just talking about with the Zohar and, and he was the the next generation of the oral law, they wanted nothing to do with his Torah. Mm-hmm. So um just what's interesting in trending news, they had a Torah scroll stolen um recently. Probably one of the oldest Torah scrolls in existence. I believe they said it was from the thirteen hundreds. Oh, wow. However, we don't really care because they actually have differences. So in not, their Torah scrolls. So we wouldn't accept their Torah scrolls. Anyways, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not kosher. They, they have differences because we don't trust their passing on from generation to generation the way we take care of ours. But it's interesting. They had one stolen, and um, they had some people that were, um, that were that are trying to help them. But, okay, that was the trending news I wanted to get into. Because and, of course, oh, you had a bad day. <laughs> You had a bad day. So I decided, Mati, I like this segment. We'll see. It's so easy to do this segment. Um, you look in the news, and there's people that had, unfortunately, bad days. We walk around. Things don't always go so well. Things happen to us. And we just think sometimes the world is crumbling on us. We just think life is over. So sometimes you need to open your eyes and say, there's a lot of people out there that have it much worse than me and you. So I I got a couple interesting ones. Just try to imagine this one. Um, I forgot to write the name. There's a French museum Mm -hmm. that they discovered that half of their collection are fakes. Wow. (laughs) So you ever went to the um, DIA? I've been to the one in Washington, the the Muslim Museum in Washington. Mm -hmm. Oh, Smithsonian. Yeah, Smithsonian. Yeah, so, I mean, every big museum in every city wants to have all kinds of, uh, you know, paintings that are worth millions. There's one um, here in the DIA worth about $300 million. Wow. Very interesting picture. <laughs> they have a whole bench. You can sit there and you can look at it and try to figure out why it's worth $300 million. <laughs> yeah. That's a different conversation. But if you have a museum and you find out half of your paintings are fakes, right, that's a that's, bad day. Yeah. That's a bad day. Especially if you're the guy in charge of the museum who's been telling people these are real. Like, you're obviously not, I, I'm, I'm guessing you're not a major expert on what's real and what's real. That was one story. Hmm. Got another one. All right. Her name is Volanda Abreu, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, so she was actually a cardiologist. Okay. You know, cardiologists, heart doctors. Um, in America, they do fairly well. Yeah. Right? We, we pay a pretty penny for them. So, um, She's she get, just got a check. I guess she retired, so it's her severance pay, a five-year check for severance pay. Well, the problem is the value of that check wouldn't pay for a cup of coffee. Because wow. in Venezuela right now, um, there's, a, uh, there's a problem with inflation. Yeah. So if you finally were waiting for your severance pay, your retirement check, and it's worth a cup of coffee, you're having a bad day. Oh, yeah. That's a bad day. Um, Got another one to my doctors. This one, I, I guess she didn't have insurance. So a lady went to the ER. I don't actually if you heard this one. A lady went to the ER, and I guess they didn't do anything for her. Or um, maybe she didn't need anything, or she left or something. She basically checked in and checked out. So she got a bill. I actually wrote it down for $5,751. You heard about this. 
No, you didn't hear about this. Now you heard about it. I tell people all the time, my news is the important news. Everything else going around out there, not so important. This is important news. And I got one last one. Um, you ever, you like roller coasters? Oh, I love roller coasters. Oh, I hate roller coasters. Uh, you know why I hate roller coasters? Because I imagine, which is exactly what happened in Tokyo last week, that I'd be hanging on one of these things and the ride would break. Mm. And I'd be like hanging upside down. Right. That's not for me. I, I guess it wasn't for the 64 passengers um, in this roller coaster in Tokyo that uh, something happened on the ride and they were stuck for two and a half hours. I read about that, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if they were upside down, but it was one of these things where they have those, those like, chest the things. The chest ones over the head, Right, yeah. so you're just hanging. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the 30-second, one-minute exhilaration is fine. Two and a half hours, I don't know. We have a caller? That is so cool. Who is on the line? One second. If you can hold for a second. Angel, can you hear him? Hello? Yeah, hello. Can I hear you? Yeah, hi. Oh, that's better. There was some, there's some noise in the background. I just didn't know if that was you. Who am I speaking with? You're speaking with David Niederlander. David Niederlander? That's How did I right. know this was going to happen? David, my friend. <laughs> okay, so Mikey wants to know when you're coming for Shabbos. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what I said was it's up to him. When he says, you know, when that, if he coordinates it with you and Morabasi, that's fine with me. You know, I'm, I'm always ready to come, but he's the, he's a decision maker. Ah, it's good to know. Mati is the decision maker. So, <laughs> right. so nice of you to call there. So what do you need to know? So I have two questions. Number one. And uh, it's from for Mati when he goes when he was in Mar when he was at Lake Bomer in uh, Maron, they had Hasidim, they had uh, they had uh, Torah, they had more modern people, they had secular. What did he get most out of that when he was there? Bonfires, Rebbe's dancing, music going twenty four you know twenty four hours. What did he walk away from his experience in Maron? Mm. And number two, are we allowed to go? I know that they've been. You were talking about. Uh, our, uh, Gazerim or whatever where the Samaritans are. I Grisim, yeah. Yeah, Grisim, yeah. That, uh, I, I've been re I read a, one or two articles uh, that uh, am online that, you know, some people, some Israelis, some tour groups went up to see. We're not allowed to go see what they do. Is that correct? Because that's more like a vote. We don't even know who they are. So, I mean, are you allowed to, you know, as, from, as Jews to go and to witness, see something like that, what they're doing, how they do their, you know, their whatever they do. Yeah, I don't think it's idol worship per se. It's not Judaism. It's their yeah. it's their own um, written Torah that they've decided what the law should be. So they basically took the Torah and created their own religion. You certainly wouldn't join with them. You know, it's like, I mean, I, this doesn't sound nice. It's like going to the zoo. You know right. what I mean? Like, and I think Jews in, in like in a place like Meisharim, where they act like they were in the 1800s, when people come to look at them, they also feel like they're in a zoo. Like you're coming to check me out, like behind my cage, like how I live. It's just like a little funny. But I don't know if there's a law that you can't see. But I like yeah. your first question better. I would like to know, Mati, what did you get? I didn't ask you to Zev. He was just yeah. there. What What was the highlight? What did you get out of going up? to Mehron to see hundreds of thousands of all kinds of Jews. Yeah, so there was a moment where me and my friend had to scale one of the walls because you're literally, like, so tight in. Uh -huh. You can't walk. And if you stop walking, you're just going to topple over. So there was a moment where we scaled a wall and just saw the whole view 
of and, people. Yeah, and it just, I don't know, I can't really describe how it really felt, but it just to be part of that. You felt yeah. like you saw a nation. Yeah, you pretty much. You didn't see a couple people. No. There's David, I don't know if I ever told you this story, it's a great story where, you know, there's all kinds of dialects and all kinds of accents and pronunciations, and if you're in the middle of it, so it, uh, it just sounds like noise. But if yeah. you step back and you listen to the whole picture, yeah. it's like a symphony. Yeah. And yeah. that's how people say to look a lot of times at the Jewish people, or maybe the look that Mati had when he saw those thousands, hundreds of thousands in Meiron, it's a symphony. There's Svardim and Ashkenazim and Orthodox and secular and soldiers and uh, Mizrahi, the gamut of Jewish people. And you're right, if you're next to each one, they look different. But when you step back, it's that beautiful picture, that beautiful tapestry of what a nation looks like. Yeah, pretty yeah. much, yeah. That's what Mati met, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very much. See that? David, you're the best. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Mati, thank you. Pleasure listening to the program. Thanks mm-hmm. a lot. Okay, David, you'll call back. Thank you much. Okay. That was cool. I didn't know your father was going to come. I knew that was going to happen. By uh, the way. I'm telling you, I knew that was going to happen. Oh, uh, that's fun. No, I love your father. We go way, way back yeah. with your father. We enjoy him very, very much. Now, as we're moving along with all my pieces of paper over here, I wanted to... Oh, you know, my son told me something very fascinating last night. So I wrote it Which down one? somewhere. Um, Dovi. Oh. I'm not sure how much time I have left in this uh, segment. What am I up to? Just about two minutes. So let's talk about this. Um, the end of the Torah portion, um, we have two Jews having a fight. Um, he's called the Mekalel, the Cursor. We have a, 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 for numerous reasons, we have this, we have one Jew from probably the tribe of Dun, probably, and he's fighting with his child um, called the Mekalel, the Cursor. And I guess he gets him excited, and he gets mad, and he curses God. And he's going to have to get a death penalty. That's the, that's, what, that's the basic gist of the story. We, we don't even get their names. So the Gliocca says, um, I understand. He was called Dumb. Um, it was Shlomo's best. It was the mother. Okay, I don't remember his name. I'm sure someone will remind me. But any case, um, so this, this child, not such a child. He was obviously old enough to be killed. Um, he curses God because this Jew, who we don't know his name, got him upset about where he was allowed to park his tent. That was the basic idea. So my son tells me there's a Kliyoker. Kliyoker is a commentary. And the Kliyoker wants to know why, why don't we know the other guy's name? The person who curses is one thing. But, but this other Jew, why don't we know his name? The reason we don't know his name is because he caused a fight. He went ahead and he got this person so upset that he could curse God, he was the cause of that person getting well, killed. So like Busha, you don't want to embarrass him or something? Uh, well, if he's a bad guy, we should embarrass him. He doesn't yeah, deserve to have his name. Because but he should so that we know who he is and we can... I hear, interesting, but usually, usually we don't do that. Well, I was just going to say that sort of like how in the news, how a lot of people are pushing like with the school shootings to talk more about the heroes than the person who actually did the shooting. Right. You know what? I think we're up against it. We're going to continue this conversation as soon as we get back. So I am Rabbi Tzia, New Radio Media with Let's Talk Torah. And hold on. We'll finish this conversation as soon as we get back from the break.
This June, Fat Mike's Punk and Drublick Festival takes over Legend Valley Campground in Thornville, Ohio for three days of kick-ass punk rock, food, beer, and camping. Lineup includes No Effects, Rancid, Me First and the Gimme Gimmies, Pennywise, Money Money Bostones, and much, much more. In addition, there will be a craft beer tasting garden with over 200 craft beers, which includes local and national. Also, there will be stories from the road, including Fat Mike of No Effects, Keith Morris of Black Flag, and Jello Biafra. Tickets are on sale right now at punkandrublicfest.com. We'll see you there. A gelling agent used in making jams and jelly may have anti-cancer properties. Now, anyone who's ever made jams or jellies is familiar with the ingredient known as pectin, which is a natural fiber product found in most fruits and vegetables. A group from the Institute of Food Research in the United Kingdom found that under the right conditions, pectin releases a molecular fragment that binds with a protein that inhibits cancer growth. And the thing that may make jam and jelly more effective as slowing the growth of cancer than raw pectin is the process used to modify it for use in jams and jellies. You see, it turns out that the modification helps to emphasize the release of the cancer-fighting fragment, which is known as Galactin-3. Now, most commercially available pectin comes from the peel or citrus fruits and apple pulp that is processed before its sale. So for now, no one knows if pectin found in unprocessed fruits and vegetables has the same cancer-fighting qualities. With another prescription for your health, I'm Dr. Jim Bragman. Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm David. Join us for fun and adventure on our new show, PodQuesters, where we fight through imaginary battles and pray to the dice gods for good rolls. Yes, it's an epic sleeping adventure where we try to fulfill our destinies without driving the Dungeon Master crazy. I thought that was the point. Anyways, check us out here on NewRadioMedia.com Fridays, PodQuesters. See you there. And we're back, a little klezmer music to make my friends like Peter happy. Um, just to get back um, what Ashley was commenting on, um, I learned this in Niagara Falls, interesting enough. If somebody, you've been to Niagara Falls. Yeah, like more of this So they have that IMAX about the people who went over to Falls. Mm -hmm. So they explain that the law is that anyone that goes over the Falls um, they cannot be in any radio, newspaper, television. They're not allowed. Okay. Because there's a lot of people out there that will do things for fame. Right. So we don't want people jumping over the falls. It's a little dangerous. Yeah. Certainly in a barrel. Like, I don't know what these people are thinking. But um, so they won't say their names. That's because we don't want them to have publicity. I mean, technically the tour would be publicity. But here I think it's a, the way my son was explaining. It's a little different. You. To be in the Torah, you're there forever. Now, if you're a really bad guy, so your name is there forever as being a really wicked fellow. If you're good, then your name is there forever as being a really great person. This person, I don't think, would make it to our top ten of wicked people. So we don't. he doesn't deserve the punishment of every time we go through the Torah portion, reading his name, because he caused the death and the cursing of God's name, which sort of fits in with our Kiddush Hashem, our sanctifying God's name, what we talked about earlier. Um, but we want to know he's a bad guy. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you can get somebody upset 
and you can cause them to do something wrong, you're not a good guy. That's a that's something certainly this time period of what we call the Svira, the of uh, this whole period of time when Rabbi Akiva's students died, talking about the anniversary of his death, and he was a person who loved the Jewish people. So, um, so that's not what we're looking for. We're looking to see love. We're looking to see friendship. And what's interesting is the very end of the third portion talks about damages. And if you damage someone, you have to pay, and how much you have to pay, and what you pay. So this, it's, it's connected to, the, um, to this person who cursed God's name and the Jewish person who goes nameless. So it's all connected to say, because it all goes hand in hand. If you're not a nice person, if you cause friction, if you cause fighting, you're going to end up causing damages, and you're going to have to pay for it. That's, uh, that's just to wrap up what we said before. Um, but, of course, we have to take care of our word of the week. So um, I see somebody shaking. We got Okay, so right behind us, which you can't see, Mati, mm. but um, a couple of years ago we had a Torah campaign. Mm. So we made um, letters of the whole alphabet, the whole alphabet. Um, and you've seen, if you've seen the show, you see at this segment, we put up that poster, and the poster describes the letter and talks about the letter, and we talk about the letter, we talk about a word. Right. So this week we're up to the letter pay. Pay it makes that puh sound. Um, numerically, its value is 80. Now, it's a very interesting letter because, I, I, again, I, I don't have the poster in front of me. I didn't look so carefully. But actually, in a Torah scroll, if you would look at the letter pay, which is sort of like a, it's almost like a base with an upside-down yod hanging there. That's pretty much the shape. Yeah. Um, if you would, um, the white space inside the letter, do you know what letter it looks like? You will next time you look in a Torah scroll. It looks like the letter Bays, which oh. is pretty interesting. In other words, if, if you have a nice scribe with a nice handwriting, you can clearly see the outline of that letter Bays. I'm sure you're talking about. Yeah, yeah got it. Right now, Think yeah. it. We love thinking. That's mm. all. That's all we want. I told my class this week a few times. I said, "You guys are just not thinking this week. Like mm. your brains have shut down. Like." Either they're asking me things or they're being lazy. I said, you got to think. I'm not answering. You're going to think. You're going to figure it out. If you can't figure it out, when you try, of course, I help mm. you. But come on. So the word of the week is the letter. Because the letter pay is really pe. Oh, yeah. And a pe is a mouth. And I think I didn't. Uh, I do have a joke if I have time for it. Good joke. You like this joke. But um, the letter pay, which means mouth is really everything we've been talking about today. And as we've been talking about this famous Rishem Bar and how he taught us Torah, obviously he used his mouth, it's air, air, speech is holy, and he brought us the Zohar, and we're talking about this person who cursed God, and we're talking about how to make a Kiddush Hashem. All these things can be accomplished if we use our mouth properly. We use it improperly. We don't talk nicely. You know, but everybody knows on my show. Everybody knows. They figured it out. Even though there's no FCC rules associated yet with this kind of platform, so you could, you wouldn't. You could say whatever you want, but on my show, we talk nicely. Yeah. That's our mouth because that's how we are. We don't, we don't want to use our mouth in, a, in an unhealthy or really a not nice way. We want to talk nicely. It's, a, it's just a good way of, of talking, of living, and people know people who talk nicely. People know I talk nicely. That sanctifies God's name. This rabbi talks nicely. He doesn't talk like that. I've been in people's offices, and these guys, they talk like truck drivers, which I say. I love truck drivers, but, 
and they always apologize to me. Oh, Rabbi, I'm sorry, I spoke that way. And uh, I don't even know if I'm going to get to my joke. Let's see if I can tell this joke in one minute. Oh, okay. You get a good laugh. Anyways, talking about a rabbi, a uh, rabbi's hat goes flying off, hmm. and somebody in the street sees, he runs, he picks up the hat, brings it back to the rabbi. He says, uh, Rabbi, um, here's your hat. The rabbi says, oh, thank you so much. You should be blessed. Here's $20. Guy takes it to the racetrack. Comes home a few hours later, and he tells his wife, you wouldn't believe the day I had. What happened? He tells the story to the rabbi. So I, I was blessed. So the, the fifth race, the horse, there was a horse there, top hat. Uh, 25 to 1, I put down the 20 bucks, top hat wins. <laughs> cool. Take all the money, next race, Stetson, another kind of hat. I put all my money down on Stetson, Stetson wins. So his wife said, what happened in the third race? Mm. You know, there was a horse there called Chateau. Chateau is French for hat. I put it all down at Chateau and I lost. So the wife said, you fool. Chateau means a house in French. Chapeau means a hat. So who won? So he said, some Japanese horse whose name was Yamaka. <laughs> okay, so you have to know Yamaka is a Jewish skull cap. Yeah. Oh, you get a joke. Anyways, yeah. Mati, I love that you came down today. Thank you for we had me. such a good time. Yes. And you're going to come join us again. Yeah, and you're going to sure. tell when you're coming for Shabbos. Oh, of and of course, I want to thank all our wonderful sponsors and listeners. I couldn't do without you. Tony, Ashley, Kelsey, and Angel, who took care of our phone call today. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next week. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on New Radio Media. And until next week, don't forget to think about it.